everyone and welcome. My name's Pio Tere and I have got questions and I'm in um, having a bit of a chat with my brainy mate Catherine. Catherine, introduce yourself please. <laughs> Kia ora Pio. Um, brainy mate, yes, I'm Catherine Burkett so I um, do understand a little bit about how the brain works so yeah. really excited to have some conversations with you today. Yeah, yeah, well I'm not sure how the brain works but uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's uh, Now I've got questions and one of the things um, I just want to I just want to open with, and I'm going to be honest, is that um, um, I've had a bit of a rough time over the last few years uh, dealing with uh, trauma, dealing with grief and stuff stuff like that. And I've had a lot of help and I'm going well, but sometimes I realise I'm going really well, but just under the surface, I can get angry quick, quick, you know, like somebody cuts me off on the road or something and next minute there's, you know, there's steam coming out my ears and all that stuff. So tell me about that. Please say I'm sort of normal. <laughs> Well, I could just say we're normal and we'll leave it at that. But yeah. what what we're going to do, I mean, because I'm really excited about doing a bunch of podcasts with you. So underlying all of these podcasts will be understanding the brain. And I'm going to make it really simple, but our brain is far from simple. It's the most yeah. amazing thing. When people say it's in your head, realise that, yeah, being in your head is amazing. We can put ourselves into comas from our head. You know, like we are massively powerful from our head. We like can, physical comas? Yeah, yeah, we can emit enough um, morphine-type uh, chemical in our brain to put ourselves in. It's... It, Apparently it's not called a coma because it's something else medically different, but you 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 are unconscious from what you can. Yeah, isn't that amazing? You should see Peel's face at the moment. You it's know like... what I was just thinking about? There's a, and all due respect to our whānau in Australia, but uh, some of our ancient Aboriginal people, if they did the ceremony of the pointing of the bone, people would actually pass out and die. So the brain can do that. The brain, and this is this is the whole beauty of understanding the brain. It's not just the brain; it affects every single part of our body. Right. And our behaviour and our our health and and if we understand how as much as possible how it works, we can start to have more control over yeah, it, not yeah, full yeah. control. And that's the outcome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, which is why I love this stuff. I love it. I'm a parent of two adolescents, so I use it as much as possible to be as good a parent as I can. But mm. again, we don't get this right all the time. So, really simplifying, like I said, um, the brain good. is you not know simple. Who, you know who you're talking to. Keep it simple, <laughs> kiddo. Um, I love simple, dude. And so, I talk about the brain in two levels. The bottom area is red, and the top area is green. Now, obviously, um, a, a lot of people will talk about it in three parts, four parts, more parts. And that's, that's beautiful because we are more complex. I just keep it simple, red brain, green brain. Red is the bottom and it's essentially your survival part of the brain. Pumps your heart, keeps you alive. The green part of the brain is where we can be beautifully complex. We can consider other people's emotions. We can do time management. We can think futuristically. We can do consequence from action. And when you ooh, think about... Ooh, that's a new one. Consequence, <laughs> consequence from, from action. action. So if I someone cuts me off and I do punch them, what could potentially happen? Right. Right. And when you can be in that red brain space you may not have consequence from action. You just do the behaviour without being able to think, oh, that would have been the outcome. And when I say to you later, people, um, did you think about that? You just go, well, no, I didn't. Mm -hmm. Because you can't, because the essence of this, and we'll work through this so much more in so many different ways, is when the red brain feels threat, no matter what that threat is, and you're talking about the fact that your brain continues to uh, to feel that grief. There's, right. there's a grief there, and every time your brain does its little radar swish around, it's detecting grief. I mean, and potential danger, right? And and that for your brain is potential danger. Yep. 
it's not obviously that's not going to you know make your life more likely to end but it's this, the brain just sees everything as potential danger and so what i call it is sandpapering the brain and so every time your brain does this little radar swish whoosh, whoosh, am i safe it says just a minute there's something on my radar that's making me feel uncomfortable and it's the grief and so you're sandpapered with that radar and then sandpaper the next time and if we don't look after ourselves and aloe vera, that sandpaper, as we talk about, you'll continuously do that without even realising, without even realising. And then by the end of the day, if you haven't done your self-care or you haven't done your breathing, or you haven't done the things that make you happy, yep. that sandpaper builds up. And all of a sudden, one more touch on that sandpapered brain, boom, that's enough to flip you out. But explain, so what's an example of me being sandpapered, Right. What's it, you know what what's happened? Well, are you talking about through the course of my day or or a build up of stuff? Your brain is constantly scanning the environment. It's called neuroception. We're doing it all the time. Yep. Say um, you, you you hear and you go, oh, I was supposed to send that email to such and such. You do that quick scan and your brain remembers that, and it might be things it doesn't even realise it's remembering, and and that that grief is sitting on your radar, so you don't realise it. But every scan. And I'm not giving you a time limit, but your brain scans constantly. So so it's just something that's sitting there. And we know if we've got something coming up, say you've got an event coming up or or um, uh, something that's a little making you a bit nervous, you might not have even thought of it all day, but it's sandpapering you because oh, okay. it's there. You don't have to be consciously thinking of it. Right. It's sitting there. Yeah, and that's just the build-up of life and pressure and all those things. But look, from it, you know, as you know, um, uh, I'm passionate about parenting and upstream solutions, and parenting such a huge part of, of of how our whānau progress and grow. So, like for a child, if 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 they are scolded or if they're ignored or whatever, those are those other obvious sandpaper moments that contribute to that child's condition, eh? Absolutely. And what we'll continue to talk about is. What we have to be aware of is every moment that we are calm and 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 in a good space, we need to build the foundation. Because if, I mean, it's not like I haven't scolded my kids, right? Or lost the plot sometimes and said completely inappropriate things yeah, to them, yeah. okay? So, we're human, we're yeah, human. We're human. <laughs> However, because I've been able to, as much as possible, hang out with them, build a relationship with them, let them know how much I love them and care about them and how stable they are, if I then scold them, that sandpaper is not really that much of an issue because they've got this beautiful strong base. Does that uh, make sense? Well, what you're telling to me is that you've sort of deposited the aroha into their emotional bank account, eh? Beautiful. Does that make any sense? Right. Uh, perfect. Hey, thank, can we? Thank you very much. Copyright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pure's <laughs> talking to himself, his brainy mate. But yeah, it is, eh? And that love and that aroha builds up their emotional wealth. Uh, but if we're not building up that uh, emotional tank, um, those sandpaper moments, those are the triggers, eh? 100%. And I, and I guess I use the idea of sandpapering my hand when I use an analogy. So what I'm just hearing from you is that if that aroha makes our skin nice and tough and and, 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 and like a builder's hand, you know, with the yeah, sort of yeah. – and, and that's by giving them all that aroha and that, and that knowing that they belong and all of that, then if you put a sandpaper over it, it very quickly heals. But yeah. if, that, if that skin yeah. is very – you know, it's, it hasn't been fed and it's, you know, nutrient deficient and all of those other things that we'll talk. And you put that sandpaper on, that can be it. That yeah. can just break the skin. And that, and, and this is why we have to realise it's in the moments of calm, it's in the moments of opportunity that we need to fill up that bank, of, that Aroha bank. Yeah. Not 
not waiting until our kids are upset or sad or angry to come in. We, we've, we've got to build them up as much as possible, fill that emotional tank massively. We're talking a bit of red brain, green brain and sandpapering with uh, Catherine Burkett. I've got to tell you, I've told you this before, but I want to tell you a whanau out there listening. I was speaking um, at a prison once and, um, you know, just red brain, green brain, it sort of makes sense. And one of the one of the guys came up to me and he says, you know what, Pure, I've been in red brain all my life. So what happens is not getting those positive things. There's always a reason not getting those positive things. And, you know, you look at this fella sideways, if he's in Civvy Street, boom, that sandpaper, and he's off. He's in red brain. Because there's no emotional banking done with some people in, you know, in society. Oh, and, and, and when you're in red brain, you are selfish, you're impulsive, you're rational. We all know. Um, we you, all know. you keep staring at me when you say that. You're selfish. You're... <laughs> I've got nowhere else to stare. Yeah, I'd be looking at myself if I could. If there's yeah, a mirror. Yeah. But do you see, we are. And, and, and if, if I, imagine when you've lost your keys or you can't find your password for your computer or you can't do something, you're frustrated, and you're in this absolute massive state of, of stress, of red brain. If I come and observed you at that time, I'm a psychologist, okay, yes, yes. And, and I'm qualified yes. to write a report about you, Pure. Right. So I'm going to come and I'm Good going luck. to observe you for those five minutes where you've just been cut off by those guys in the you know, yep. car and you get out of your car and you're starting to – and I'm going to observe you. Can you see the words I'm going to write about you? Violent, uh, 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 abusive, um, impulsive. Out of control. Out of control, yeah. right? I'm going to write those words about you because that is who you were in that moment. But right now, if I wrote a report about you, clearly it's incredibly different. Because yeah. at the moment I'm talking to you in your green brain, yeah. then you're in your red brain. That that gentleman you're talking to at the because I see everybody is beautiful. And like he he came to you. He was able to self-reflect on himself. I mean, what an amazing thing that was able to do. But he's so sandpapered through his life. He's had so many sandpapers. He pretty much lives in that red brain. And he is that person who's yeah. impulsive and irrational and selfish. And we think that's him, but it's not. Even though probably, and I don't know him, 80, 90% of his life he has been in his red brain. Yeah. But what I want to know is for that 10%, who is he and how can we get him there for more? And this is what we've got to start working with. How do we grow the green brain instead of perpetuating the, the red brain? Can we grow up? 100%. Absolutely. Ooh, that's the good news. 100%. This is a good news podcast. Yes, it is. <laughs> you can grow your own green brain <laughs> by, by by wellness and looking after yourself a bit, eh? 100%. But the green brain only op- operates and grows when the red brain is safe. So when ah. that radar pings around and the radar goes around and goes, am I safe? Am I safe? Yeah. The red brain, when it says I'm not safe, it activates into a survival response. And that's way more important to stay alive than to care about you or worry about feeding myself or looking after others. I have to stay alive. And in that full activation of red brain, I will be selfish and impulsive. So it's about respecting the fact that if if I want you to grow your green brain, you have enough of a green brain you could grow it yourself. But if I've got kids and I've got environments where people are really, really triggered and really, really heightened, then I'm responsible of creating their safety first. Right before I can expect their green brain to grow. So layers, start from there and move up. 100%. And there was low, by the way, because you can't see that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was, I was moving my yeah, You were moving your hands. I'm, I'm a TV guy, all right? Smarty exactly. pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So as far as our community are concerned, I'm going back to, to, to parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so when our kids are in red brain um, and you're in red brain, 
it's a bit of a waste of time trying to sort of uh, give them any knowledge or give them anything. It just doesn't work, does it? And this is this is one of the more powerful messages that I get across in my trainings. Yeah. Because we've ha- we've got a lot of theories out there, got a lot of theories that are based on behavioural observations. And one of them is if we leave our baby to cry, they'll stop crying faster. And what we did is we put our baby down, they stopped crying. We put our baby down and we left them and they stopped crying faster. And behaviourally we went, oh, they stopped crying, so this is a good thing. But actually now with the technology we have, we know that when baby stops crying, they're actually still in a really high state of stress. Oh. They're still activating cortisol, which is our stress hormone going around our body. And so we went, oh, just a minute, that's not the right thing to leave our baby until they've finished crying. We actually have to pick them up in the tolerable space. We can talk about that in another podcast. But that, mm. we, we, they cry a little bit and then we pick them up. And what we know now is we've got so much more ability to look in the brain and how it's growing and to be more biologically respectful in our responses. One of the messages we've always been told is you have to deal with a behaviour in the moment. That child has to apologise for what they did. They have to clean up their mess uh, in the moment, right? Isn't right. that a message? We've... Now, <laughs> now, because I told you so. Exactly. And if you don't, <laughs> if you don't make them do it, this is the message we're told. If you let them get away from that, if you let them walk away without completing that task, they will do it again and again and again. And and if you and you suck as a parent, <laughs> yes, hey, cause, yes, because you've got that, no power. That's right. Because you can't control your child. That's right. So that's the pressure we give ourselves. Oh, you didn't sort that out straight away. What are you? Exactly. And if they walk away, and if you do what I'm going to ask you to do, someone observing would actually say, "Just a minute, you just rewarded bad behaviour." And these are all the phrases and the knowledges that we have. Yeah. But actually, neuroscience says. If if I have my child in front of me and they're fully red braining, I don't care why, even if it's their choice to punch someone and they're now in red brain. They are in red brain. They have no no ability to think about me. They have no ability to put cause and effect together. They have no ability to reflect on their own behaviour. They have no ability. So if I say, you need to say sorry to your sister, and they're like, I'm not saying sorry to my sister. Yes, you are. You need to say sorry, and you're not leaving here until you say sorry. Well, I'm not leaving. Well, then you're not coming with us to when we see our friends. I don't care because I didn't want to go anyway. You right, know? right. And what you're actually doing is you're physiologically holding that child in a state of red brain, uh, which is like marathon running the capacity to yeah. hold into stress. Do you really want to do that? Oh, it's tiring to be angry. Oh, and it's, <laughs> and it's such a waste of energy. Yeah. Let them walk away. Yeah. And they want to go for a walk or they want to go and play with their toys or they want to actually be with you. Yeah. But you need to zip it. Beautiful Celia Lashley, if you've ever yeah, heard her um, listen, God rest her soul. Huge respect. Massive. And she said, just zip it. And can you see sometimes it's like my son has to be with me when he's getting stressed. He won't leave, whereas my daughter will walk away. I'm out of here. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and, don't you know, like you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm like, Whoa. So, but can you see in that moment, whatever that child needs, and they're very individualized, what they need to feel safer right now yep. happens. And that means you're essentially letting them do something they enjoy. Go and jump on the trampoline. Go grab a drink of water. Shall we go and make a cup of tea together? Do you know that sort of thing? But can you see observably, we'd see them punching someone. Yep. And then you as a parent saying, shall we do something fun together? Yeah, see, see, that's all that soft hippie stuff, love. You know, I suppose you go out of here and hug a tree or something, eh? You know, but yeah. Do yeah. you see? And, and I was growing up. I've got two dairy farming parents, and and I adore my parents, but never did they stop and go, sweetheart. How are you feeling right now? Right? I have not been brought up hugging trees, yeah. even though I lived in the, in the in the rural. But I grew up being incredibly practical, and then I started learning neuroscience, and I went just a minute. 
this is research-based. It's not coming from my fluffy hippie background. Yeah. It's coming from research-based, and I need people to understand this because when you start doing it, man, it's beautiful. Parents come back to me and go, I, tr- I found it really hard to let them walk away. I found it really hard to just leave it. Yeah. And by the way, we are going to deal with that behaviour. Yeah. We are. When they're back in green brain. Well, hang on, hang on. Stop there. And this just makes awesome sense to me. We are going to deal with that behaviour when they're in green brain because when they're in green brain, we can get in and rebuild. Or, or, or Peel's it, my brainy mate. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got school C and everything. Yeah, I was 28. But, yeah, you know, it's funny when you talk about this stuff and, you know, um, a lot of people out there will know that I'm a, a, a Māori and I, and I look to the ancients and I look to a lot of that ancient whakaaro and um, – Anne Salmon got these diary records from some of the early, early English settlers that came out here, and they observed the calm of Māori men as fathers. And guys like Marsden and, and, and Selwyn and all, all, all our tūpuna, that, uh, our Pākehā tūpuna, they came over. They couldn't believe how calm and caring and how peaceful these men, and these are warriors, were to their wives and to their children. And... Mm. I don't know. It just fascinates me how, um, you know, that, you know, I remember my father saying, he says, Pure, the, the fashions change, but the rules don't. And I think about those old ways, and they're still relevant today, of that calming and giving space and, and love and all those, you know, soft. hundred percent. And, and, and like, so our lives get busy, and we've actually made these rules based on what's good for us as adults and in, in, in a generalised sense. Because when you talk about sleep training and we talk about putting babies to bed and, and, and letting them cry or, you know, sleep training them, why is that? It's because we want to go to work the next day. We want to get our sleep. This is not about our You're babies. You're causing trouble. You're causing trouble, young lady. <laughs> because this is about us. They don't fit the timetable. Exactly. And we've got and people come to me and they go, how can I get my child to behave better? Because uh, there's always a rush in the morning. I'm like, why is there a rush in the morning? Because we've got to get to school. Who decided when school starts? Yeah, yeah. We did. Yeah. And we've got to start realising that we're imposing these these ideals on our kids and their behaviour's not fitting. And it's like, well, no wonder. So when you talk about Māori being on the marae and hanging out and letting our kids be, that's that's beautiful safety for the red brain. Yeah. We know anthropologically um, for it's around no need about... for that language. <laughs> around about four adults per child available under the age of six. That's that's a, that's a statistic. So, so we want around about four people available and I say at any time, but in a generalised sense. And if you think about you you on the marae and there's a little kid and they're two years old and they want to run off and play in the mud and, and maybe I've got them and I think, oh, mud, that's, you know, I don't want to go and play in the mud. And, and you look and you observe and you go, oh, sweet, let's go and play in the mud. Yeah. And, and, and there's someone who gets that kid for who they are, for right now, for what they want. No, they now they need just a big cuddle so they can, you know, go off to, you know, one of the grandmas and, and, and sit there and be cuddled up. And, and there's, there's multiple relationships available to our children at all times in those spaces. Right. But our modern day says that one or two parents in a house by themselves isolated for long periods of time it's good. It's good. And yeah. it's actually not biologically respectful raising of our children. Yeah. So all of this neuroscience and all of those big words that we use. You use. I use. <laughs> are actually now 
so good at, at discovering who we are by scanning the brain and watching the, uh, you know, really in minute detail who we are. It's taking us right back to exactly what you're saying. This calm uh, male who's creating safety for the village so that we can nurture and grow our baby's red brains so they can become whoever they need to be. And and that's it. If we didn't need so many of the other expectations we have now, yeah. it was it was simple, but it created so much more beautiful outcomes. I'm going to take you back to the radar thing as we're scanning all the time as normal human beings, and I still believe for somebody who's uh, moving on in years that my life was so much simpler growing up in the in the time I grew up, uh, in the 60s and 70s, actually. So I take, um, say, one of my nephews is suffering 17 years old, and if he does a scan, there's so much stuff on his radar. You know, with the, with 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 his phone, with his girlfriend, with the fact that he looks wants to be a rap artist, with the world's <laughs> in his hands, uh, there's got to be more potential for for uh, what am I trying to say for for sandpaper or whatever. And in fact, a lot of these kids are, are disappointed because they're seeing a world of potential that I never saw. Yeah, and and I often say. And because of a lot of things that have happened in our environment, we are raising children who have less opportunities to build resilience. And I say that really respectfully because it's not like our kids are less resilient. It's our environments are creating a space where they're less resilient. And and, and we can talk through the contributors to that. But they they have generalisingly less resilience. And it's that red brain, real solidity to that red brain so that when they get those sandpapers, they can handle that. So that aroha bank. That's resilience. Right, that's resilience. And so then they hit this, and it's through life, but in adolescence, everything changes. The brain sees things really differently. The brain towards the middle of adolescence can really see future and can go, oh, if I want to be a rap artist. What do I actually need to be? And now I actually realise how many other people want to be a rap artist. So actually the statistics, you know, like and all that yeah, sort of yeah. stuff. Whereas when you're five, you go, yeah, man, I'm going to be a rap yeah. artist and that's all I'm going to be. And so, and also, like you said, with the social <laughs> yeah. media and all those sorts of things, they've got more sandpapers yes. as adolescents, but potentially less resilience. Yes. And this is why we have to start recognising why our environment needs to change back. Yes. Not move forward, move back. Why we have to do that? Because if we don't, we're going to build a generation of just sandpapered people raising children, which is going to create sandpapered children, which creates sandpapered adults. You know, like and and so if we can just understand how how the simple things the the the, the you know the warrior man cuddling our children and mm. making them feeling safe, how how simple is that? Mm. And it's all the simple things we need to value instead of looking for answers in, 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 in the wrong places. Yeah, it's funny that because people get sick of me. Well, that's normal. I don't care. People get sick of me and say... <laughs> I'm not yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you will be. <laughs> yeah. um, people get sick of me and say, mate, we live in the best country in the world. Get out there and pick some pippy and go and catch a fish and do the... And, and I still believe as um, iwi or Aotearoa, as New Zealanders... To grow resilience, we're still in a good country to be able to do that, eh? As far as geographically, I mean. I mean, look at all these people now because of COVID. The price of caravans have gone up because everybody's going on holidays. Everybody knows how to make naan bread and all this stuff. I know it sounds basic, (laughs) but that's me. But just those precious, precious things um, do build resilience. Now, that's a question. Do they? 
Absolutely, and that, and that's probably a whole other podcast series of uh, um, a, a session. The the resilience is built through multiple moments of tolerable stress. That's that's my um, definition. And multiple moments of tolerable stress looks like going to get those pippy and finding that hole and digging it, and it's gone. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's gone. Ah, oh, now try over here. That's a moment of tolerable stress, I'm right? Gonna, I'm going to stop you right there because because yeah. you never not find the pippy because you find them all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got a pack and say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a modern Maori. Um, when I was in, you, you you know my story, and a lot of people out there too know my story. And and, and when I suffered, um, you know, uh, trauma in, in my whanau, I actually had to had to keep revisiting that grief and trauma to condition myself to make myself strong. It's a bit like dipping your toe into the icy pond of of whatever you're going through out there, and go, no, I need to stand in front of this, name it, realize it, then walk away and then come back to it. If I kept it out there at arm's length, ooh, I'm going to get bitten. And and when we neuroscience that, which I don't want to neuroscience such, you know, like in that's no, that's very why you're here. You're exactly, the brainy yeah, one, yeah. remember? <laughs> <laughs> so, so the neuroscience of it is, is tolerable moments of stress. And, and the reason for that is because when we hit tolerable, we need to be in a space to now bring us back to calm. Killed it. And and if I said to you, if if you said right, I'm feeling today quite strong. I'm feeling okay. I'm going to go and do this behaviour. That's going to make me sad. I'm going to go and visit, and I'm going to yep. sit there, and I'm going to be sad. You can hold it to a tolerable level, yep. and you know that you've actually rung auntie, and you're going to come around afterwards and yep. go and see her. And yep. so then you get that cake. Do you see right? <laughs> and here, that yeah. brings you back to the calm. And so you've created a space where you can do that. Whereas. If I turned up as a stranger or something at your door, knocked on your door and says, Hey, I want to interview you about this situation. Yeah. And and you just and you weren't in that space and you go into intolerable activation of it. Or you see something on the TV that reminds you it's of triggers. Or, and this is a thing that's in you know, like it, we, we see things quite often and it triggers you off. And because you're not ready for it, you go into overactivation. But if you've gone into that tolerable and back, tolerable and back then you have more resilience. So when those unexpected things happen or when you just have that moment, you're more prepared. Your body yes. has practised it, do you see? And we've got to let our body practise feeling and calming down. You can't do it with your green brain because your green brain's gone right now. It has to be the red procedural feeling automatic part of your brain. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why we... And they don't purpose. lie, eh? Those bodies, <laughs> they don't lie. Like, your green brain can lie. We can lie yeah, well yeah, with yeah, our green yeah. brain. But our red brain is as honest as honest as honest. Yeah. And so that's why we, we do want to have our kids, especially if we have kids who are feeling anxious, who get frustrated, who get angry, who can't fail. Yeah. We actually have to, on purpose, create tolerable moments of stress for them. Because if we don't, then our body does. I know, that's a challenge, isn't it? No, but I'm laughing because, uh, you know, I work with some pretty sharp people here at the parenting place. And one of my mates is pretty hard case. And he said to, to, to a group of parents, when he says, and don't forget, go home today and disappoint your children. You know? <laughs> and I says, you can't say that. And he says, well, but you think about a child who's never been disappointed, mm -hmm. who've been wrapped up in cotton wool and all mm -hmm. those things. Um, and, and, and suddenly they go to school and they're in the sixth form or is that year 12 or something. And they split up with their girlfriend. And they've never felt that pain. And that is dangerous, in my opinion. No, not, no, remember, it's not your opinion. It's science. Yeah. 
because your body has to practice it, right? Yeah. And if your body hasn't practiced it, honestly, I couldn't go out and sprint or do a marathon running or jumper. I used to be a high jumper, but I couldn't do it now. Did you really? Yeah, I came ninth in the Wellington Regional. Did yeah, you? Know that. There you go. Coming up to Auckland, pinch some fruit. <laughs> <laughs> high jump. No, I did the Frosby flop, so it probably won't be a good idea to get yeah, over yeah. the fences doing a Frosby. <laughs> But, do you, but but your body has to practice those things. You can't just suddenly become a sports person. You have to go out and right. practice your swing or practice your... Is your, that you muscle know? memory? 100%. But the muscle memory is dictated by the brain. Kilda. That's where the message gets sent. And so when your brain has practiced feeling disappointed and going, actually, I feel disappointed. Oh, I calm down. Hey, that was the way to survive that process. If you disappoint your kids again and again and again, they don't get it. They have to work for it. They have to wait. Actually, it's not going to happen today. It's going to happen in three days or whatever. All of those things, if your body practices it, yeah. then yeah. when you say that actual happens at 16, you lose your you know, partner, blah, 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 you'll, yes, you'll be sad. Yes, you'll be disappointed. You'll cry. You'll throw, you know, you'll put the pillow over your head and scream or whatever, but you will come back from it. Yeah. Because you can't be happy all the time, eh? Oh, can't be happy all the time. And then you won't know, yeah, the, you know, emotions not, Emotions should have seasons, shouldn't they? Well, our brain, everything is homeostasis. Everything brings us back to normal. Like, if you think about when you feel really tired or really sick, as soon as you get better, you feel amazing for like a day because your brain is always pushing you back to the norm. Uh, and so if you have a really amazing, amazing day, the next day you can feel a bit meh yeah, because your brain's pushing you back down, going, no, 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 you're too happy, get back to normal, and uh, it pushes you a little bit further, right? It's homeostasis is the – see, that's another big word for you. See, I, I feel another <laughs> podcast coming on about drugs and alcohol and stuff like uh -huh, that. Ah, that's that a pushed, good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah but, Not that it's relevant to me. <laughs> <laughs> but do you see, that's exactly it. We're really simple. We're yeah. really simple. And if you think about that with drugs and alcohol, it's the same with our emotions and with our well-being. And so if we if we keep being really, really happy or really, really sad, that's not normal. We, we sit in the middle most of the time. Our brain's trying to keep us in the middle. And, and when we watch social media and watch things, we only ever see people being so happy oh, oh, or so sad. What, the, we're the Hollywood normal. lies. The Hollywood <laughs> exactly. lies, eh? Yeah, yeah. So... Um, I'm just thinking about. I, I I don't want to start anything that we can't finish. But as as a very, <laughs> we've already done a couple of yeah, notes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, j j just for me, that um, I remember one of my friends here said to me that uh, pure grief causes reckless behaviour, and I've seen that in myself. I've seen that in my family. I mean, I've got a great family. My kids are great. Uh, my wife is great, but. This, actually, I want to move on to wellness. The concept of a wellness, is that just being aware? I mean, hopefully there are pennies dropping for people listening into this podcast. Um, there's so many people who don't know how our brain actually operates. How can we help those people be more aware? Yeah, well, that, that word wellness, and, and what does it actually mean? Um, Self-care, all of these words we use. And, and again, simplifying, putting it into red brain, green brain. When I'm in my green brain and I start to feel a bit sad or anxious or worried or frustrated, I can think, why am I feeling this way? What could I do about it? And so I can be reflective and I can maybe go, actually, I just need to go and sit by myself for a while. I might go for a walk. I might make myself a cup of tea. And I'm allowed to stay in that space, by the way, but I can hold myself in that space. If my red brain's overactivated, which obviously sometimes it does and we can't help that, that's when we can't be self-reflective. We can't ah. care about other people or do something to fix it. And so what we want to do is we want to 
keep our bodies and our minds in a state where we can maintain enough of the green brain. To operate. To operate, to ring someone, go, you know what, I am feeling really pretty bad right now. Is there any chance you could come around? Yeah. Or actually, I love going on a camping. I'm going to go for a walk on the beach in the weekend. I'm going to book in a – because I just need to do that. So it's maintaining enough of that green brain that we can say, I'm not feeling so good. What could I do about it? And hold ourselves in that tolerable space. Yeah, so some of our whānau who – aren't able to maintain that level um, and, and, and get into to, to depression and things like that. That's when we hear of people, and it's happened to me, um, I, don't, I don't mind saying it, where you just don't want to get out of bed. You can't operate because mm. there's not enough of that green brain saying, bro, you need to, you know, to move. You need to do that so you're in that space, eh? Yeah, and that's all. I mean, and when we get into the technicality of the brain, and we've got neurotransmitters and neurohormones in the brain, and have and I got have I got those? Two? <laughs> yeah, got a couple of those. Oh, thanks, mate. But one of the more important ones is is serotonin, and serotonin actually gives us clarity of thought. I want and some. I want, some. want some. Can we buy this? <laughs> How do we get serotonin then? Serotonin you get, and that's what, from exercise, from laughing, oh. from being with people, from feeling connected. And so, what you can see is if you stay in bed, and and by the way, if you want to stay in bed for a day, yeah, and sit there moping and crying and and, and feeling sad and feeling, and we say that we're depressed like it's. It's it's a, a clinical thing, but it's not always. It, I'm I can be sad. I can stay. I've given myself a day to just. I, I'm going to cry all day. Yeah. This is all I'm going to do. In your pajamas. In my pajamas. And do you get any footage of this? I find it quite entertaining. <laughs> I'm sick. It's not coming out the nose. Everything like that, you know. But do you see? I, that's okay. And I've said to myself, actually, I've had. I, I'm I'm in that space, and I'm going to let myself grieve today. Yeah. And that's okay. But if it happened day after day then I'd start Ah, to get worried, do you see? So I'm not saying if people want to spend, you know, an hour a day, whatever you think is reasonable, and obviously if it's a – it could be a couple of days, if that's what you think is actually reasonable, but then it has to get to a point where you go, now I need to start changing. And if you get up and you move and you do go and see someone and you laugh a little bit and you watch a stupid movie or you, you you know, like listen to some songs and dance on your own, you know, like whatever you want to do – if you do that, you start producing those chemicals in your brain that actually give you clarity. And clarity of thought is needed to go, actually, yes, I am grieving, but I have all these other beautiful people around yeah. me. And there's and a I plan. Have, do you see? Yeah, I And do. clarity allows you that. But if you keep staying in that base brain space and you have no clarity, you'll just think my life is shit and it's, you know, it's yeah, not yeah. this and I yeah. don't want to do that. And, I, and, 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 and that's not healthy. It's okay for a space of time. Uh, no, you've made yourself clear. Yeah. Uh, but you touched on a point. Um you uh, we talk interaction with other people mm. creates serotonin. Okay, so if our tamariki are spending less time with mm-hmm. other people and more time on devices, that's got to be an issue. Massive. And one really neat example. Quite a few years ago, I worked um, around the country doing alternative education training, and. Um, I did a series of videos and people would watch them and then I went and I trained them. And one of the groups that I was working with says, just a minute, because because of the training, the neuroscience I could give them, they put it into practicality and they said, correspondence. We, our kids now have to do correspondence on a computer. Right. So they used to do it, get the books, you know, the old correspondence books and write right. with it and talk about it. And they'd found that the outcomes for the kids were dropping really quick. Because when you sit on a computer and look at a computer screen, you're not activating the brain in a in an emotional connected way. 
And so what we did is we moved the computer screens so they were sitting next to each other. So these kids were doing work because they had to do it on the computer. Right. We couldn't take it away. But they sat next to each other so they could hear each other breathing. They, they, could, they could be in this proximity of each other, know that someone was close, and their brain activated to the point where they could learn more. So, so – what we can do on screens, people say, oh, my child learned to count to 10 um, watching Dora Explorer, you know, in Spanish. Yeah. Yes. Sesame Street when I was a kid. Mate, <laughs> right, yeah. Eight, the count. The count. One. one. Uh, uh, uh. Two. <laughs> and you I can, but if you grabbed your muckle's hand and went out in your gumboots and splashed in the water and went one, two, yeah. the, the engagement in the brain with that serotonin and all the other neurotransmitters that we're activating, they're going to learn significantly faster. The research they did on these kids and they got kids to sit on the parents' knees and they read a book and they read a book on an iPad Yep. and they read a real book, a, a, a physical book, and they watched their brain, they eeg their brain and watched how their brain activated. Significantly more activation, Whoa. same book, with a real book. You know, like it's just we are missing so much with without splashing and climbing trees and Touch, touching things yeah. and, and being with people and being in this space. And even in classrooms, we're putting kids on screens and asking them to look things up. No, get the encyclopedia. Yeah. Have a fight about who's going to turn the pages. Yeah. You know, get through there, touch the book, see it, feel yeah. it. Talk to your mate. Yes. Yeah. We, 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 we've got to see how the brain works and, and relationships um, being in that space with someone you trust activates the brain so much more than that ping, ping, ping of the screen. It does activate it, but in a different way and is not as healthy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, amazing, amazing. Um, yeah, it takes a while to take all this stuff in, you know. I didn't know I had all these parts to my brain. But it does go back to, it does go back to my upbringing and... Um, and, you know, because they talk about New Zealand as being a rural country, and I'm not saying we should all be farmers or whatever, but we were we were subsistence farmers up north, and we just learnt so much outside. Mm -hmm. You know, we were with people outside. When I when I smell tea tree burning, I know somebody's <laughs> somebody's going to cook a hangi or we're going to have a proper barbecue, <laughs> and it just pings off all these beautiful things and all these memories about uh, about the stuff from my childhood. So they're so valuable, aren't they? Hundred percent. And if we talk, we just go back to that red brain, green brain idea, and you're talking about being angry. The more we can build that foundation, which is the red brain, the more solid we can make that. And that's through relationships and, and being outside and, and doing things and having moments of tolerable stress. The stronger we can make that, then when you get to where you are with some grief and, and, and the anger and stuff like that, those sandpapers are there, but you've got that solid ground. Yeah. But if you didn't have that real solid red brain outside on the farm doing the hangi and all those sorts of things, and then you had this happen to you yep. and you're sandpapering on a, on a not so good foundation, you could be in quite a different space right now. Yeah. And the space yes. would probably have bars around it. Yeah. Yeah. And, For and, sure. and, and that's not on you. That's on our community. Kilda. And and I think that's what, if we can start to recognise this, because when I go into my red brain and I do things, I'm not a nice person. Yeah. You don't want to be around me and writing that assessment and that psychological yeah, yeah. report. And and because I'm this person who you see now, when I move into my red brain, of course that's me, but that's me in that survival space. And what we want to do is create a community where our children are raised, all our community feel like they're safe enough 
that red brain can be calm enough that we can operate from the green brain. That's yeah, what. That's awesome. Yeah. We're going to wind this up shortly, but there was one thing I heard you say when we met uh, a few years ago, and uh, say I'm a uh, you know uh, aging, relatively intelligent man, and my green brain. <laughs> just, say. just say. Just say. Just say. You know. You know, it's a long bow, Farno. But listen, you know, Pure's quite a quite an intelligent guy. Um, when I go into green brain. Where does my IQ sit? Where does my intelligence sit? Uh, red, uh, in, brain. Red, red brain. Red brain. When I go into red brain, I'm sorry. Well, two years old. I sum it up like a two-year-old. Hey. <laughs> well, if you think about yourself when you can't find your password for your computer or your or your keys, I when lost you've my got wallet it, this morning, right? Yeah. How old do you think you were? Were you being um, thoughtful for other people? Did no. you care? <laughs> right. And so when we go there, you don't have an IQ. The IQ is the green brain, the um, emotional intelligence, the empathy, the the consequence from action. Like I'm saying, that's all up in the green brain, and that's gone. You just become an impulsive, irrational, selfish, survival instinct person who you know goes, me too yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 again, we all get there. What we have to say is, what can I do for you right now to hopefully get you into your green brain? And that's, or just actually leave you right now. And when you say what you say to me and call me whatever, because you can't find your wallet and it was nothing to do with me because it wasn't even, you know, yeah. there, I don't take it personally. You know, we've got to start seeing this. That's because, mature. Hey. <laughs> and by the way, I say all this stuff, but it doesn't necessarily <laughs> happen every day. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the stuff we want to help people understand is that we're human beings. When we go into our red brain, we can be an incredibly different person. First of all, we can talk about those things in the moment and that resilience building. But secondly, as a as a nation, Aotearoa, we need to understand that there's been things that's happened to entire communities where we could be in that red brain. And how do we change that? We change that by acknowledging how it happened and then getting everybody into their green brain. And that's called being safe and being collective and connecting. So that's that's what I'd love to see. Catherine Burkett, Tenakwea, my brainy mate. But I'll tell you something, Catherine, before we sign off, I've still got questions. <laughs> Kia ora. Kia ora.